Good afternoon, everyone. Once again, we give thanks to God that we can that we can come together to worship our triune God, and we warmly welcome all visitors or guests that are in our midst this afternoon. Uh, there are no further announcements from Council. This afternoon's worship service will be led once again by our pastor, Julius Vance Bronson. And in preparation for worship, we will praise God with the singing of one of the songs that has been sent to the churches for testing, namely, Before the Throne of God Above. Let us rise for worship and lift up our hearts to the Lord. We begin this worship service by together confessing our dependence on the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. We'll now sing together Psalm 111, stanzas 1 and 2. It's a song of praise that belongs to our eternal thanks to God alone. Psalm 111, stanzas 1 and 2.
Now, together with the Church of all ages and all places in the world, we'll profess our Catholic undoubted faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. You can find the Nicene Creed on page 494 in the Book of Praise. Let everyone say with me in their heart, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven and became incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he arose according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And we believe one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We'll now sing in response hymn 9. Shireen have been blessed with a healthy son, Gavin. They requested baptism for their son, and for that reason we'll read together the form for the baptism of infants, which explains the doctrine of baptism. Also the promises of the parents. It's on page 597 in the Book of Praise, if you'd like to read along. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us 
that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust him and to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes through weakness fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin. For baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although our children do not understand all this, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism. Just as they share without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, so are they without their knowledge received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That's Genesis 17, verse 7. Peter also testifies to this when he says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's in Acts 2, verse 39. Therefore, in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. This circumcision was a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ also took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Mark 10, verse 16. In the new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And as they grow up, their parents have the duty to instruct them in these things. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory for our comfort and for the upbuilding of the congregation, let us call upon his holy name. Almighty, eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood, but in your great mercy saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you, in your infinite mercy, 
will graciously look upon this your child and incorporate him by your Holy Spirit into your son Jesus Christ so that Gavin William Nigel DeBoer may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that Gavin, following him day by day, may joyfully bear his cross and cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that he, comforted in you, may leave this life, which is no more than a constant death, and that the last day may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Now I ask the parents to rise.
join in prayer of thanksgiving and ask the Lord to also bless the reading and proclamation of his word this afternoon. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern this child by your Holy Spirit, that Gavin may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness and may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that he thus may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy which you have shown to him and to us all. May Gavin live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest Jesus Christ and valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil and his whole dominion. May he forever praise and magnify you and your Son Jesus Christ together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. We thank you, Father, that we may know you as our Father, that we may have your word to read and to study. We thank you that you work powerfully through your word. We pray that you will enlighten our minds again this afternoon as we read your word and grow in our understanding of the truth that we confess and declare to be true. We pray, Father, that you will guide us by your spirit, that you will also bless your servant in this place as he brings that message. We pray for the preaching of the gospel all over in our city, in our country, around the world, that the truth may go out boldly, the gospel may be heard, that many may respond to this truth with faith, to the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This afternoon, in connection with our confession in the Canons of Dort, We'll read together several uh, passages, Romans 10, 2 Timothy 3, and 1 Peter 1. First, we'll read together Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 21, in which we find the, the text, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10 verse 12 is on page 946 in the Pew Bible. It's kind of in the middle or in the left-hand column near the end, near the bottom of the page. Romans 10 verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed? what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing 
and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Then we'll turn further into the New Testament, into 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12 to 4, verse 4, where we have some clear instruction of what that word that is preached is. Page 996. 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths." And we'll read another passage from the New Testament, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 20 to 25. Some more verses describing the, the gospel. After being told that we were ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, we read in 1 Peter 1, verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news 
that was preached to you. We'll also read together a portion of our confession, the Canons of Dort, chapter 3-4, articles 15 to 17. Heard several sermons on the, these chapters already. Canons of Dort, chapters 3 and 4, article 15 is found on page 578 in the Book of Praise. 15 is under the title, The Proper Attitude with Respect to God's Undeserved Grace. This grace God owes to no one, for what could he owe to man? Who has given him first that he might be repaid? What could God owe to one who has nothing of his own but sin and falsehood? He therefore who receives this grace owes and renders eternal thanks to God alone. He who does not receive this grace, however, either does not care at all for these spiritual things and is pleased with what he has, or in false security vainly boasts that he has what he does not have. Further, about those who outwardly profess their faith and amend their lives, we are to judge and speak in the most favorable way according to the example of the apostles, for the inner recesses of the heart are unknown to us. As for those who have not yet been called, we should pray for them to God, who calls into existence the things that do not exist. But we must by no means act haughtily, as if we had distinguished ourselves from them. In Article 16, man through his fall did not cease to be man, endowed with intellect and will. And sin, which has pervaded the whole human race, did not deprive man of his human nature, but brought upon him depravity and spiritual death. So also this divine grace of regeneration does not act upon men as if they were blocks and stones, and does not take away the will and its properties, or violently coerce it, but makes the will spiritually alive, heals it, corrects it, pleasantly and at the same time powerfully bends it. As a result, where formerly the rebellion and resistance of the flesh fully dominated, now a prompt and sincere obedience of the spirit begins to prevail, in which the true spiritual renewal and freedom of our will consists. And if the wonderful maker of all good did not deal with us in this way, man would have no hope of rising from his fall through his free will, by which he, when he was still standing, plunged himself into ruin. We see the use of means, the almighty working of God whereby he brings forth and sustains this our natural life does not exclude, but requires the use of means by which he, according to his infinite wisdom and goodness, has willed to exercise his power. So also, the aforementioned supernatural working of God, whereby he regenerates us, in no way excludes or cancels the use of the gospel, which the most wise God has ordained to be the seed of regeneration and the food of the soul. For this reason, the apostles and the teachers who succeeded them reverently instructed the people concerning the grace, this grace of God to his glory and to the abasement of all pride. 
In the meantime, however, they did not neglect to keep them by the holy admonitions of the gospel under the administration of the word, the sacraments, and discipline. So today those who give or receive instruction in the church should not dare to tempt God by separating what he in his good pleasure has willed to be closely joined together. For grace is conferred through admonitions, and the more readily we do our duty, the more this favor of God, who works in us, usually manifests itself in its luster, and so his work best proceeds. To God alone, both for the means and for their saving fruit and efficacy, all glory is due throughout eternity. Amen. We'll now sing together in preparation for the proclamation of the gospel, Psalm 29, psalm that speaks of the, the power of the word of God. <clears throat> 